You are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. Well, good morning. I'm excited about coming together on Wednesday night. I had a guy email me this week and said, Pastor, I travel and I'll be on the other side of the globe on Wednesday night. It'll be early in the morning where I'm at, but I will get up and I will pray with you guys. And so... I'm getting a lot of good response about people saying we're, we're excited about coming together for the purpose of prayer. So why don't you just kind of turn to the person beside you and say, will you come with me Wednesday night to a prayer meeting? Would you do that right now? <laughs> I'm watching for your reactions and your responses here. Hey, think, think with me for a minute. I'm, I'm excited to, to share with you this morning. I believe God has given me something to say to you. Suppose you're in your living room, it's late at night, and you are, you are really close to being asleep. You're just really relaxed. You're in that, that vegetative state. You're either watching television, barely, or you're reading a book. And you're just about ready to go to bed. You're just, you're just really relaxed. And you're in your living room or family room, there's a door in that room to the outside. And all of a sudden, that door just pops open. You hear things break. It just burst open. And what happens is your heart immediately begins to race. Your breathing becomes very shallow. Every muscle in your body is tight. You experience this very concerning emotion. That is aroused by impending danger or pain. In in that regard, fear is a very positive thing. It serves as a warning for us. The sirens go off, the lights flash, there's trouble. But, But fear can also be very negative in our lives. So when a person says to me, Pastor Rick, I'm, I'm trying to overcome this controlling fear that I live with. Or, or I feel like I live my life in fear. As a person who hangs around the church and who reads the Bible and who seeks to follow Christ with their life, that puts me in a dilemma. Because God says, God says, God in His Word says... Over and over and over again, do not fear, do not be afraid, do not fear, do not be afraid. Over and over again, God says those kinds of things in His Word. I do not want my people living in fear. I do not want you to be afraid. And so what do you do when the people of God are living in fear? I would understand if somebody says to me, Hey, Rick, are you not aware? Are you not watching the news? Do you not know that this week several U.S. embassies were closed around the world because national safety and security is at risk? Do you not understand how delicate our economy is? Don't you understand that we could all lose everything in a day? Don't you understand that there are people in our world who are nuts? 
Well, you understand how how delicate our future really is. It hangs in the balances. No, I don't. I don't think I'm unaware, and, and I don't think that I am. I am living some some life of of confusion. That that everything is great. It's just this. I open the Bible. And here's what I read in God's Word. God says, I am your God. And I have chosen you. And I am with you. And I will strengthen you. And I will help you. And I will uphold you. Literally, I will hold you up. And I will take hold of your hand. Do not be afraid. I I don't think I'm confused about what's going on in my world. I just open the Bible and I hear God say, I am your God and I have chosen you and I am with you and I will strengthen you and I will help you and I will uphold you and I will take hold of your hand. I don't want you to be afraid. You have no need to fear. So I I find those words in the book of Isaiah chapter 41. If you want to take a Bible from uh, the rack in front of you or the Bible that you carried in with you this morning and open it to Isaiah 41. We'll also put the words on the screen in a moment. And I want to take you to these words. This is God speaking through his prophet Isaiah. I'm going to start reading with verse 8. Here's what happens through verse 7 of chapter 40. It's really a continuation of chapter 40, 41 is. And in the first seven verses, God says, I would like to summon a meeting with the nations. Why don't you come and sit down and talk with me? I have some questions I want to ask of you. Who raised the man from the east? He's talking about Abraham. Who blessed his descendants? Who made them strong? That they would subdue kings and nations. And the nations began to tremble. And they said, let us create a God who will go before us. And they brought the craftsmen together and they built a God. And almost with humor in verse 7, they nailed him down so he wouldn't topple over. The psalmist reminds me, I don't need a God who I have to carry. I need a God who can carry me in tough times. And then you get to verse 8. Here are the words. But you, O Israel, these nations are living in fear. But you, O Israel, my servant Jacob, whom I've chosen, you descendants of Abraham, my friend. I took you from the ends of the earth, from the farthest corners. I called you. I said, you are my servant. I have chosen you and have not rejected you. So do not fear. You like those words? Do not fear because I am with you. You should not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. All who rage against you will surely be ashamed and disgraced. Those who oppose you will be as nothing and perish. Those, rather, though you search for your enemies, you will not find them. Those who wage war against you will be as nothing at all. For I am the Lord, your God, who takes hold of your right hand. (laughs) I love this. I'm going to hold your hand if I have to. And says, do not fear, I will help you. Do not be afraid, O worm Jacob. O little Israel. I think those are significant words. For I myself will help you, declares the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. So, in preparing to to talk to you for a couple of weeks about fear, I I began to ask people, 
that I would just bump into everybody. Um, so what, what are you afraid of? And so when I was asking people that I didn't know very well, I felt like it was much too personal a question to say to a, a server in a restaurant that I was just engaged in a very brief conversation with. So what are you afraid of? So I would say to people that I didn't know well, so what do you think people are afraid of? Sometimes that didn't matter. They would just become confessional and begin to talk what they were afraid of. Talk about what they were afraid of. And sometimes they would talk about what they think other people fear. And so besides the answers that you would expect, like I'm afraid of snakes or I'm afraid of spiders or I'm afraid of the dark or I'm afraid of heights or I'm afraid of storms or I'm terrified about the possibility of ever having to do public speaking, um, I felt like I engaged in some very honest, open conversations with people. Um, and so I'll, I'll kind of just give them to you in categories and groupings. And uh, it, it's not the kind of thing where this is an official survey. This is the conversations I remember having with people, okay? Um, so let, let me just kind of talk to you from the, what one, one person or maybe a few people talked about the fear of getting old and losing functionality. Um, I think I can understand that sometimes people who are elderly will say to me, Pastor Rick, getting old is really hard. It reminds me of a little joke. A, a, um, a group of senior adults were talking and one said, I'm so, I'm so frustrated with the fact that I can't see anything. I just can't see. It's so difficult to lose your sight not to be able to see. And, and the second senior adult said, well... Um, I don't know if it's as bad as losing my hearing. I'm present, but I don't hear what anybody says. And, and the third said, well, I don't know if, if that's as bad as I can't get around. I can't walk. I can't even turn. I can't hardly move. Everything hurts. And the fourth one said, listen to us complain. Let's be thankful for what we still have. At least we can all still drive our cars. So <laughs> be grateful. Some, some people talked about being afraid of dying. Um, and, 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 and I did read this week, actually, that, that the people who are least afraid of dying are evangelical Christians. Uh, some people said, I'm not afraid of actually dying. It's how I die that, that, I, that I feel concerned for. Uh, I don't know how that's going to happen. And so there, there were conversations with people about suffering. I don't want to suffer. You know, I'm concerned about suffering someday. Or getting some kind of terminal illness that will just slowly take me away. So there were lots of conversations in, in, in that regard. Uh, probably the most popular response was having to do with finances. And, and often came with an apology. I know this sounds bad, but this is probably what I worry the most about or fear the most about. Finances. What if the economy crashes? What if we lose everything that we've worked and built and saved toward? What if it just all disappears in one day? Some people talked about debt uh, overtaking them. I don't know, is there going to come a day when my debt just overtakes me? I can't keep my head above the water. Is that day ever going to come? Um, there, there were good conversations about people's journey with God. One person said to me, I have a real, real fear of giving God total control of my life. That's a struggle. What does my life look like if I give God total control? What would happen? Some people said I'm afraid of witnessing. One person said I'm afraid that I don't, because I don't witness, there are going to be people who don't go to heaven because I did not share Jesus with them. 
Some people talked in terms of, I'm afraid that I've disappointed God with my life. Some people talked in terms of, I'm afraid I'll never change. I'll never become any better than I am. I'm afraid I'm not good enough. I'm afraid of insignificance. I'm afraid of living my life and it not have counted for anything. And then there was just this bag of responses, just kind of just jumbled. I'm, I'm, I'm afraid of failing. I'm afraid of succeeding. Because if I succeed, then I don't have what it takes to keep going. I'm afraid of rejection. I'm afraid I won't find the right person. Uh, one guy, I think kind of teasing, who was married, said, I'm afraid I found the wrong person. So that's a concern. People talked about being afraid of being alone. I think one of, one of the most interesting was a guy who says to me, I'm afraid that some skeletons are going to open the door of that closet and take a walk one day. And my past is going to come to light. And I knew what his past was and what his concerns were. You find yourself on the list anywhere? I, I guess I wonder if there's anybody that would say, Hey, Rick, I, I could add a couple of things to your list. Do you understand the dilemma I mentioned a moment ago when, when we, the people of God, who read our Bibles and we know what God says, when we say we feel that we are being controlled by fear, and, and just for kicks, I looked it up. I just counted. And 120 some times, just over 120 times, God says in His Word these words, Do not fear. Do not be afraid. Over 120 times in the Bible, God says, like He says through Isaiah, His prophet, Do not fear. Do not be afraid. So, I sat down with a guy this week that I'd never met before. And we talked, and as hard as it may be to believe, he did most of the talking. And I did a lot of listening. When, when you listen to a person talk, you learn a lot about a person, right? So when I opened the book of Isaiah to chapter 41... And God begins to speak through His prophet Isaiah. I begin to learn a lot about God because I listen to Him talk. I, I learn what His desires are for His children, His people. I learn about the promises that He makes His people. I learn a lot about His nature. I learn about His character. I learn about what God calls His people to do. And so I want to take these next few minutes just to talk to you about what God is calling His people to do. Um, I, don't, I don't really do a lot of reading with, a, with electronic device. I, I, I can't seem to adjust to that. I've, I've, I've tried, but I'm not... I'm not great with it. I, I like to pick up an actual book and an actual pencil still. It's probably my age. I'm sure that people younger than me are doing great reading on electronic devices. But I'm, I'm struggling to pull that off. Um, I typically 
you know, just say, hey, just get me the book. And, and, and that way I'll throw it on a shelf and I'll know where to go get it and, and where to find my underlining and that kind of thing. But, but there's a company that, that sells electronic devices and the company is called Kindle. And, and Kindle released this report recently that was talking about the most read book on any Kindle device uh, or on all the Kindle devices. And, and you probably could guess what that book would be. Couldn't you? The most, I'm sorry, the most highlighted book of any book that Kindle sells. What, what, what book do you think that would be? The most highlighted book? The Bible. And that, that makes sense because people typically read other books. They'll read them, takes a week or two weeks, they put it away. But a Bible people read daily. And so it's no surprise to me that the most highlighted book for Kindle is, is the Bible. Interestingly, though, the most highlighted verse with Kindle customers. Philippians 4, 6. Don't worry. Don't be anxious. Don't be afraid. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything with thanksgiving, make your petitions known to God. And I think what it does is it teaches us something about ourselves, about Bible readers. It tells me that we struggle some with worry and we struggle some with fear. I was, I was in a church service not too long ago and I listened to the preacher talk about being at an amusement park on a holiday weekend and lost his, his little boy somewhere in that crowd. And for hours and hours they did not find him. And, and he said we would go searching and one would stay back and security for the park was involved and we went for hours. It, it was the toughest hours I had ever lived, he said. And you can imagine the, the look on his face as he's searching frantically and his wife is searching frantically and siblings are searching frantically for this, for this little boy. God says in his word to the people of Israel, okay, I don't want you to have that look on your face. Here's how he says it. Do not be dismayed. Now, the word that is translated dismayed is sha'ah, and it really means to look. And so if I said, look, and all of you looked, that, that, that would be basic meaning of the word. To, you, you all looked. But more often it is used to mean to look with anxiety. And so here's what God says. I, I don't want my people to have that look in their eye. I don't want my people to be dismayed. I don't want you to live with fear in your life. I don't want you to have that kind of struggle. I will strengthen you and I will help you. And I will hold your hand. When, when Morgan was born, our youngest daughter, Brittany, was about five and a half years old. And so it was just easier for me to take Brittany with me often. And there were just lots of times I could just say to Annette, you know, Brick could just go with me. In those days, I was working with uh, teenagers quite a bit, and, and I loved directing youth camps. And so I would just take Brittany with me the whole week to a youth camp. And she would just kind of maybe be a nuisance to the senior high girls, but they acted like they loved her. And, and she would hang out with them. I, I remember one time, it was, it was in the days that video cameras were, were a new thing. And so we had a video camera at that camp. And and this one guy would video all day long. And, and then that night we would just play some music and we would, you know, shoot the video on the screen that he had taken. And kids love seeing themselves, themselves on screen. And I remember this, this one shot of Brittany and I not knowing we were being videoed. And we were walking away from the guy with the camera. 
and we're, we're holding hands and we're swinging arms and we're talking and she's kind of skipping. And so as this song, this very kind of uh, mellow ballad is ending, that's Britt and I just walking away and all the campers kind of clapped. It was a neat thing. I would give anything if I had that footage. And I remember we got in the car the next day to leave camp and Brittany starts crying. And I said, oh, Britt, what, what's, what's wrong? What, why are you crying? And she said, Daddy, I, I don't want to leave. And I said, what, why? Don't, why? why? You're, you're, you're loving it? She goes, you remember last night us in that video holding hands, having a good old time? And I said, yeah, I loved it, Brittany. She goes, I, I just don't want it to stop. I remember other times in my life with my kids where they felt concerned or insecure. And I remember that little voice saying, Daddy, hold my hand. And I remember reaching down with my big hand to them and holding that little hand and gripping it firmly. And so God speaks through His prophet, Isaiah, to a nation of people. And He speaks to us. And you know what He says? Don't be afraid. I love these words. I will hold your hand. Like a father who reaches down for the hand of his child so they do not feel fear, I will reach down and I will take your hand, he says. You don't need to be afraid. I will help you. I went to CR, Celebrate Recovery Leadership Meeting yesterday. Twenty-some people in the room. Celebrate Recovery helps people overcome hurts, habits, and hang-ups. When I say hurt, I'm referring to like emotional pain that you might experience in your life due to maybe abuse or codependency or divorce or whatever. Habits, I'm referring to addictions to alcohol or drugs or sexual addictions or eating disorders or whatever. Hang-ups. I'm talking about mental struggles where you're dealing with anger, resentment, or unforgiveness or fear. And, and I listened to all of these people and every one of them told me their story around the table. And man, I felt like my faith just grew a foot. I thought, wow, God, you can do anything. Because I listened to these people talk about how God had brought them through and they were recovering from their hurts and habits and hang-ups in life. And I just got to tell you, it's a Tuesday night event here at Bethany First Church. And if you're dealing with hurts or habits or hang-ups, you, you really, really should think hard about becoming a part, about celebrating recovery in your life. If I would have said to those people yesterday, wow, you guys are incredible. I can't believe what you've done. They would have been confused. Oh, oh no, we, we didn't do it. Our, our power source is God. It is God that is working in us. It's God that's changing us. It's God that's bringing us through recovery. It's, it's not us. And I love it when I read these words where, where God just says, I'm going to level with you guys, okay? Oh, oh Jacob, you worm. 
<laughs> hey, little Israel. I didn't choose you because you are strong. I did not choose you because you are powerful. I chose you because I love you. I am strong. Dr. Steve Green preached here just uh, a few Sundays ago. And he preached from the book of Ruth. And he introduced you to a concept, to a Hebrew word, goel. Goel was the next of kin who would come and help someone when they were in trouble. When life went terribly wrong, a goel would come and and help out. For Ruth and Naomi, her mother-in-law, something had gone terribly wrong. Both their husbands had died. And they needed a goel. They needed the next of kin to come and, and take care of them. God says to the people of Israel, I will help you, declares the Lord. I will be your redeemer, Goel. I am your God and I am with you and I will help you and I will strengthen you and I will uphold you and I will take hold of your hand. You do not need to be afraid. When life goes terribly wrong for you, guess who's going to show up? I will be there. These are just good phrases. Just let them sink in. Rick, Rick, how do I get to a place in my life where, where that I do not allow myself to be controlled by fear? How do I get to a place that I trust God? How does that happen? Let me tell you how it does not happen. By living with a false sense that God is not going to let anything bad or hurtful come into my life. He never promises it. And He never promises it to the people of Israel. Here's what he promises. When you go through those troubled times, I am going to be with you. That's what he promises. Let me see if I can say it one other way. Because if you think about it, that's all I've done. I've just repeated myself here for 20 minutes or so. Let me me say it one other way. Annette, Annette and I were in Chicago. We were with Morgan, I think, and some of her friends. And it was one of those kind of shopping trips. And I just don't need to do any of that kind of stuff. And so Annette and I did go to the mall with them one day. And we, we, we ran out of gas real quick. And we're sitting down in this little area. And there's a, a junior high student who comes and sits down near us. And, and uh, you know, we're just really resting, talking, and waiting. And, and in a minute, here come some other students that look like they were about his age. It was apparent to me that he didn't know them, they didn't know him. But they began to what I would, I would say was, I'm, I'm not overstating when I say they were harassing this kid. And I felt really bad for him. They, they began to say things like, uh, uh, what's in that bag? And he didn't respond. It was almost like, if I don't respond, maybe this is not real or maybe they'll go away. Or maybe I'm afraid I'll say the wrong thing. I don't want to make it worse. He was just, he was just scared to death. And finally, one of the kids just grabs the bag out of the kid's lap and opens it and says, what size are these shoes? 
And the kid didn't answer again. And finally the kid says, I said, what size are these shoes? And finally the kid responds and tells him. And, and one kid says, I don't, I don't think I ought to take his shoes. And so it's just in this public shopping mall. And, and there Annette and I are sitting really close by, but kind of faced another way. And Annette leans over to me and she says, we're not leaving this kid. And I said, okay. And she said, we're going to stay as long as we have to stay. Just whispered that to me. And I said, I agree. And then in a second, she leans back over and she says, if he gets up and leaves, we're, we're going with him. And I said, oh, okay, I, I, I think that's good. And so it kind of continued. And, and it evolved into this conversation about swagger and asking him, did he have swagger? And stand up and let me see your swagger. And the kid doesn't get up. I said, get up. And finally, just to defer the attention, I said, if you're looking for swagger, you need to look right here. And at, at first, at first there was just this kind of shock. And then they just, then they just bend over laughing because they know I have none because I wouldn't even for sure what it was. I'll be honest with you. I didn't know what I was confessing to. I had an idea. It, it kind of turned into this conversation that we were not from the Chicago area. We were shopping with our girls and, and what were some fun things to do and they were somewhat friendly to us actually they were quite friendly it didn't last long they take off and and this little old boy i look over at him and i just kind of winked and he just kind of raised his eyes shook his head i think maybe he was saying thank you i'm not for sure He didn't, he didn't know it in the middle of it, but he didn't have anything to be afraid of. He didn't have a clue, but he had no reason to fear. We had made a choice. We were taking him on. And we were going to be beside him. And if we needed to, we would have held his hand. And I think it's not a bad picture of Isaiah 41. You say, God, I'm afraid. And God says, you don't need to be afraid. But God, you see what is surrounding me right here. Listen to me. God says, I am your God. I have chosen you. I am with you. I will strengthen you and I will help you. I will uphold you. I will take hold of your hand if I need to hold your hand. You do not need to be afraid. Don't fear. I am your God. Amen. Amen. Why don't, why don't you stand with me? Will you do that? So Kyle is going to come and we're going to, we're going to sing a very appropriate song together before we go. And, and I would love to give you an opportunity to pray before we go. I understand that if you, if you kind of step out this morning and walk down the aisle to kneel here, well, people will know that I'm living with some pretty serious concerns.
or fear. I, I, I really wouldn't let that get to me because God says don't be afraid and I don't think you want to live your life afraid of what somebody is going to think about you. And so I just think it's fitting to say this morning don't, don't be afraid of what somebody thinks. If, if you really want to come and kneel at an altar and engage in a conversation with the God who says, I am your God and I am with you and I will uphold you and I will hold your hand. You don't have to be afraid. Then, then come and kneel here and engage in a conversation with him. And that and I are praying for some folks these days. Some folks who are going through some tough times. You may be going through a tough time. If you want to come and pray today, I want you to feel free to come and pray as well. We, we always ask that there be pastors here with um, oil. And the Word of God says, is anybody sick? Then anoint them with oil and pray for them. And so we do that out of obedience to God's Word. And if you want to be prayed for for healing this morning, there will be pastors here. And doesn't mean that only pastors can come and pray with people, though. Everybody is welcome to come and pray for a friend. Often here on Sunday, we talk about the gospel. We talk about the fact that Jesus died so that you could be free. And this morning, if you want to come and accept the forgiveness that Jesus offers you of your sin, you can come and be forgiven of your sin. And, and if you're coming for prayers where you want some of us to pray with you, just make sure you get our attention. We'll come and we'll kneel with you. We'll pray for you. You're going to love these words. Let's sing them and claim them together. Okay? Come if you'd like to pray. Just lift your hands and say
You know, we're going to continue to worship here together for a little while, and um, people are going to continue to pray. And if you want to come down and pray with a friend, feel free to do that. Or if you just want to come down and spend some time in prayer, um, feel free to leave whenever you're ready to do that. I would just ask you to do this. Leave very quietly. Um, If you kind of want to draw closer to the front of the church and sing with us, you can do that. But just as you go, go quietly, okay? God bless you. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.